Hello and welcome to I Assure You We're Podcasting, the show on Talk Film Society where we look at the work of Kevin Smith. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing Kevin Smith's 13th movie, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. I'm Mike, and I'm joined once again by Ale from Sequels. How's it going, Ale? It's going so well, and I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Well, I, I'm excited to talk about it too. Uh, you know, we we kind of made a promise to have you back on for this one at the end of the Chasing Amy episode because, uh, in a lot of ways, well, in a couple ways at least, this is sort of a sequel to Chasing Amy, and in particular, has a little postscript for the characters in Chasing Amy, and and you get to find out where they ended up. You know. 22 years later. Uh, so we'll get into that um, in a minute. Uh, now, I know that you just saw this movie for the first time today, and, and we'll get into that. I guess I'll just say that I saw this movie when it first came out. I saw it like three times in the span of a week because, you know, they had like a fathom event thing. And it's like, okay, well, I need to go to the very first show. I need, I don't have a choice in the matter. But then like two days later, they were doing another fathom event where they were doing a double feature with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And it's like, okay, well, obviously I have to go to that too. (laughs) And then like five days after that, Kevin Smith came to town to show the movie to, you know, a (laughs) sold out crowd or whatever. And uh, of course, I had to go to that, too. So I saw it three times in the span of a week. But luckily, spoilers, I liked it. Um, But you just saw it for the first time today. However, have you seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Yes, yes, that I have seen. And I think... I still think that if I hadn't seen that, this would have been an enjoyable movie because I saw a few reviews saying that you have to watch Jane Silent Bob Strike Back in order to watch this one and enjoy it to its fullest capacity. But um, I told you this before we started recording, but my partner and I were watching this this morning. I don't think he's totally seen Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and he actually really loves Reboot. So that's my argument for that. But yes, I've seen them. I mean, I, 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 Definitely see why seeing Strike Back first would add to this experience, but I do think it would work on its own, you know? Yeah, especially if you've seen other things like, you know, Clerks, Clerks 2, if you've seen, obviously, Chasing Amy. If you're familiar with more of his work, I think you'll still really enjoy this because the entire thing is kind of a nod to all of his previous work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so this is his... Uh, return to the View Askew universe after, mm-hmm. like, I guess it would have been like 13 years at that point, which is kind of crazy to think about that it had been that long since uh, Clerks 2. Uh, you would, it, it, unlike Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where he said, like, I'm ending this thing and I'm never going to return to it, he didn't say that with Clerks 2. And in fact, he had been trying to make things like Clerks 3 and Mallrats 2 and a Mallrats TV series and, you know, God knows what else. But it wasn't like he was avoiding Jay and Silent Bob or anything like that. It's just that he could never get these movies off the ground, which still seems so strange to me that like yeah. he, can't, he can't get the money for mall rats, but he can get the money for yoga hosers. Like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see how that works. Uh, but finally, he did get the money for this, and then production was delayed a little bit because he had a heart attack, and uh, he came back and um, made this movie. And well, what what did you what did you think about Jay and Silent Bob reboot? So the same way that we talked about a little bit when we were discussing Chasing Amy, I love about Kevin Smith that no matter how ridiculous and kind of like lowbrow humor his movies can be, sometimes there is a lot of heart in them, and this one is not an exception to that. I literally cried <laughs> at the end because one, I love Pearl Jam, so that needle drop was perfect and two i just love the message of the movie so i really really enjoyed it i thought it was ridiculous at some points but obviously if you've seen jane silent bob strike 
back you know what to expect from this i think this was just kind of like turning it up to 11 but it was fun it was fun a lot of people think this is fan service because of how many nods and how many cameos are in it but i'm i don't have a problem with fan service and i really enjoyed it yeah i I would agree with that it definitely is fan service and i you know i i think one of the the big differences between a lot of things that that are fan service like for example i mean the fact that this is dealing with reboots and you know they 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 talk about the force mm-hmm. awakens and everything <laughs> at least this acknowledges it the the uh the sort of um meta nature of its of itself you know it's like it it says yes it's fan service this is made for the fans if you're exactly. watching this you're probably a fan so what's wrong with that you know it's- it's very self-aware, and so I don't think being self-indulgent is a bad thing. I think it's both self-aware and self-indulgent in just the right ways, and I really like that because I don't think many movies can be both yeah. the way that this one is. Yeah, I, and I, it, the the fact that he, I think, is so tuned into the culture from the fan side mm-hmm. really kind of helped with uh, structuring this movie, you know, I mean, the, the idea that he has seen all of his favorite movies, you know, rebooted, kind of gave him the uh, the, the the map to to make this this reboot. Um, but I, I really do sort of love the idea of like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was a very specific movie made at a very specific time in his career. Um, when the movie landscape was a specific way. And for this one, he's like, okay, if I'm going to do it again, like, this is what it would be for today, you know? Yes. Whether it's, you know, making it, you know, quote unquote, darker, or, you know, bringing in, um, you know, different uh, actors to to portray, you know, Blunt Man and Chronic, or, (laughs) you know, as as they talk about numerous times in the movie, like uh, making it more diverse and younger and everything. I mean, all of those those boxes are kind of checked. And it all sort of like works as like the, the framework of the movie. But then like you're saying, there is this sort of like emotional underpinning, which uh, is, I think what he's really trying to say in this. Definitely. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel like he pointed out what the movie landscape of I guess 2019 would expect from a reboot or something like that with kind of like the diversifying of the cast and things like that. But I think he does it in a respectful way. I don't think he's like mocking it the way that other movies would do that. So I really appreciated that too. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I just saw this thing like yesterday on Twitter where someone was like talking about like, um, you know, diversity in movies and and stuff like that and how ridiculous it was. And they were pointing to a clip from the boys in order to make their point. And someone else pointed out, like, you do realize that's satire, right? They're making fun of you, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think that's the the same thing is going on here. You know, I I mean, as, as he points out (laughs) when talking about chasing Amy and having, you know, Alyssa rebooted for Netflix, like, uh, (laughs) You know, there there is a, a certain um, uh, perspective which is not necessarily needed in the world of film these days, and it's Kevin Smith's perspective, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, I agree. Um, I guess talking about, like, the the core story, which is Jay finding out that he has a, a kid and, and everything and learning how to be a dad, I you know, it, it seems like a lot of that is um, taken from real life with, you know, uh, Jason Muse's backstory, you know, the fact that he never really had a stable family or anything like that, and, and um, the idea that he's found a family now you know and 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 has has a kid and everything like that and and it a lot of it i think is kevin smith looking at jason muse's relationship with his kid and sort of you know morphing it with with 
Kevin Smith's relationship with his kid. And then it gets really confusing because Kevin Smith's kid is playing Jason Mewes' kid. And then Jason Mewes' kid is playing Ben Affleck's kid. And it's like, what? What's I, I can't keep all this straight. That's it okay. was amazing to see that. And so again, like, remember, this is my first time watching this. So when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, this is not like, this is hilarious that he would, you know, put her as his daughter. And then again, also there was like a few jokes in there that were a little uncomfortable knowing that Kevin Smith was in the same scene with her. And I was just, it was a great time. I really, really was trying to keep track of all the daughters and whose daughter they were playing in, in this in the actual movie, but it was honestly very fun. And I would believe that Harley Quinn is Jason, Jason's daughter for sure. They look more similar than Kevin Smith does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see it too. They can definitely, uh, uh, you know, pass for being related or, or whatever. Um, and, and I think probably the fact that, you know, she's basically grown up with him. I mean, in a lot of ways, right. she probably is like a, you know, adopted daughter or whatever you want to call it, you know, for him. So so that that is kind of cool. Um, and, and I do think, like you're saying, like emotionally, it does land, right? I mean, it, it worked for me. I, I don't know. I think so, too. I mean, I was going to say, like, Honestly, I thought her performance was really, really convincing. She did a great job, especially considering that, you know, I don't know where this lands on her timeline of, of like her work, but she did a really good job. I was very convinced that they were actually related for a second there. Yeah, I guess this would have been, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking prior to this, her biggest movie would have been um, Yoga Hosers. Right. Uh, although I guess right before this movie came out, she would have also had her role in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which of course was just a kind of a bit part, but still, you know. And then and then after this is when she did the the TV show Cruel Summer, which I haven't mm. seen. I don't know. Have you, have you seen that? No, I haven't. But I, hear I it's mean, good. Yeah. this was very good. I I really enjoyed her performance. It really touched me in a few, you know, parts of the movie, especially the end. I really enjoyed it. I really did. And I don't know if it's because like I have a strange relationship with my own father, but I feel like anyone would enjoy that kind of element in the film. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I guess jumping ahead to to the end and to the chasing Amy of it all, uh, you know, this thing, <laughs> <laughs> it ends with uh, Ben Affleck showing up, which honestly was a bit of a shock. You know, I mean, I guess there was sort of the idea that he could show up at some point, but just the fact that, like, they had not worked together for years and really hadn't spoken for years. And then, you know, all of a sudden he's here and kind of... Uh, a major role, you know, for that one scene. Um, it was surprising, but it really does kind of like pull the entire movie together, almost to the point where it wouldn't work if he wasn't there. I agree with that. And I'll, I'll be totally honest. I remember when we spoke, you mentioning that this was kind of like a sequel. Mm -hmm. And so I was waiting for it throughout the whole movie, <laughs> not in a way that like you spoiled it for me or anything, because I was still very, very excited to see him when he actually came on. But um, I, I love that this is technically a sequel because I love how it wraps up the Chasing Amy story. Yeah. So, so what do you think about that? And also like Alyssa shows up too, you know, and, and, you know, for anyone who doesn't know spoilers, but it turns out that, you know, they are co-parenting and, and have a kid and, and she's married to the woman from the last scene of, of chasing Amy, who's in real life played by Kevin Smith's sister. So like, <laughs> he just wants to cast his family members and all of this stuff, which is fine. I mean, whatever, that's how he got his start. It worked for him then. Why not do it now? You know, honestly, like that's so crazy because I typically am not a fan of nepotism, but I don't mind it when Kevin Smith does it. It just doesn't feel the same. It's very strange, but yeah, no, I really, really love the scene. Obviously this was not to be biased, but this was my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, I love that it does show evolution on Holden's part. And I think the movie is about that as well, because I do think the movie is about 
you know, also getting older and changing the way that you approach things. And I think Kevin Smith, this feels a little bit different than his other movies because he's older and because the people in it are older. So I think it handles that very well. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably no way that if like, if you were to ask 1997, Kevin Smith, like where are these characters in 20 years? It wouldn't resemble this at all. Right. Right. It's like he had to live those 20 years in order to figure out where his characters were 20 years later. And exactly. And since that movie was so autobiographical in a lot of ways, it kind of is cool to see where, where they are based on, on his life, you know? Exactly. And I really just love that. I mean, yes, the humor can be a little bit like juvenile sometimes, but that's just the nature of, of his work, but it does not feel like he's trying to still be the Kevin Smith from 20 years ago, which is extremely refreshing. (laughs) It is. It is. In in some ways, I kind of wish that he would. I mean, in in like, I don't know. It, it's. I I do feel like there is a change, like stylistically, in his work. You know, not yeah. not in. I mean, there's a change in what he's saying for sure. You know, which I'm I'm 100 percent on board. But I also feel like, I don't know. Maybe like as budgets have gotten higher and as you know like uh movie making has gotten you know more or easier to do for him he's kind of i don't know in some ways gotten a little lazy with some of these things right (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you have any examples like there's a lot of stuff in this movie in particular where it really feels like two sides of a conversation were shot like months apart and the editing together of those two sides of the conversation is sort of like really kind of choppy and forced, (laughs) you know, I mean that, that sort of thing I I think is annoying. I mean, like even, even in like the Affleck scene, there's like one shot where like the two of them are in the same room and I don't see why that would possibly be because it's like, what, what's, is Jason Mewes doing something else at this pre? I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> right. you know, he could, he could be there, but it's like, why would you shoot that all like that? You know? And there's even like the line where he's like, oh, like, I realize that I'm not Bruce Wayne, I'm Thomas Wayne or Bruce Wayne's mom, whose name I can't remember. And then he looks to the camera, which is like a very Jay and Silent Bob strike back thing to do, right? Like, right. you get that joke, you know? But the placement of the camera is so close to like <laughs> yeah. the angle that he's looking at to begin with that you you don't even notice that he's looking at the camera because he's practically doing it already. It's like, wh- why couldn't you? I don't know. It's just- I kind of agree with you there, actually. I mean, like, it was not technically his best. <laughs> right. There's, there's a lot of like rookie mistakes, which you'd think that he wouldn't have made at this particular stage in the game. It right? is strange that his earlier stuff when he had like absolutely no budget was technically more sound, I think than a lot of the stuff that he's made recently. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the reason behind that is. And it's the one thing which kind of scares me about clerks three. Um, Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh boy. I'm, I'm going on Tuesday. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, I'm hearing good things, but I'm also hearing bad things and kind of expected things much like with, with a uh, reboot, which is, you know, he's made this movie before and he's made it better, you know, and, and that sort of thing. It is just one big inside joke. And if you're a big fan, you'll love it. And if you're not, you won't. And I mean, exactly. I guess I'm, I'm kind of expecting that, but at the same time, well, maybe that's, that's what I'm here for. You know, I don't know. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, hope that it doesn't disappoint but we shall see we shall see um so you know it, it, one like big omission i think from this movie is banky right we yep. don't see him anywhere and and i mean they have jason lee in the movie as his character from mall rats but banky is just like gone and everyone's just kind of like oh screw him you know like uh you know screw that guy and it's like I, I get it, but at the same time, it just feels weird for this whole thing to be about Bluntman and Chronic and for them to not have him in the movie. 
I agree with that. I was thinking about that choice as well, because another thing is like, obviously so many of these characters play other characters in other movies in the universe. So I wonder why they didn't just, I almost feel like it would have been funny to see him play both <laughs> his mom's yeah. character and Banky. which he does in, in strike back. Right. So why exactly. wouldn't you, you know, I, I'm, I don't know why he didn't choice. do that. I wonder what the actual explanation was behind that. I feel like there must have been a, a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get him at the convention or something like that, you know, to shoot stuff there or something. I don't know. Mm, I don't buy it. I feel like there's <laughs> got to be another reason. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. But yeah, no, I do think that it would have been hilarious and I feel like it would have made a villain in the film. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, speaking of the villain, I mean, what did you think about the, uh, I guess, the, the turn at the end and the big climax where, you know, one of the the girls ended up being, you know, an evil <laughs> mastermind from Russia or something like that? That was fucking absurd. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you can curse, but it was yeah, you can curse. It's of, like very, very absurd. But and I'm usually not a fan of when things go that largely like random but i didn't mind it i thought the pacing was weird i was like ready for the scene to be over after like a few (laughs) minutes of it it went on kind of long but i totally understand why people would enjoy it it was just not my jam that's because i like more and this is going to sound ridiculous considering the movie we're talking about but i do like a lot more of the grounded scenes like i loved the stuff you know where it was actually likely to happen (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's true, though, right? I mean, like, the stuff with, with Affleck, the stuff with uh, Shannon Elizabeth at the start of the movie, um, I think that that's great. And and much like Strike Back, it does kind of lose steam at the end, and when it gets into, like, the big action set piece, that's kind of when I check out, too, you know? Um, I, I guess I, I was... I, I was more. I, I felt like this one didn't go on as long as that one did, and um, I, I also was sort of like I guess distracted by the fact that <laughs> he introduced the character of Kevin Smith into his uh, <laughs> his movie, which is really bizarre. Uh, but what what did you think about that? I again, if he did it with himself, why can he do it with Banky? Why can he do it with Jason Lee? You That's know? true. I, That's I true. didn't. I got. I mean. I was a little confused at some points with that too. It was a little bit confusing, but I didn't mind it. I kind of liked it. I thought it was funny as hell. You know, at that uh, show that I went to where he was, he was there, you know, someone asked him like, okay, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you see a poster for a movie called busing on um, the, the wall of, of uh, uh, Harley Quinn Smith's bedroom. And they're like, you know, that is that, you know, a movie directed by Kevin Smith because uh, kind of famously or whatever, he had been working on like a couple movies uh, early on in his career. One was Clerks and another one was a movie called Bussing, which was basically Clerks, but at a restaurant, you know, and Clerks is the one that got made. Bussing never came to be, but he said, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm, I was thinking. I worked out this whole backstory where it's like instead of making the movie clerks in the view Askew universe kevin smith makes the movie bussing and that starts his career and he does a whole bunch of movies and you know the non-view Askew movies still get made like you know jersey girl and cop out and stuff like that but you know he doesn't make clerks and chasing amy and mall rats and stuff like that it's so funny because the bus in poster has like the clerks font yeah yeah, I, I can't believe he doesn't sell those on his website, to be honest. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Good observation. My boyfriend actually pointed that out this morning and I was like, holy shit, this man is kind of brilliant. He thinks of everything. <laughs> Especially when it's about himself. Yes. I but. can't, you know, I'm a Leo. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't fault him. I mean, I, I'm I'm as obsessed with Kevin Smith as he is. So you know what? I can't uh, <laughs> can't can't fault him for it. But um, I did enjoy that he was himself in the film. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was funny. I know I know a lot of people. I mean, it 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 makes him an easy target, you know, especially for critics and 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 you know, people who say that he's already and this movie in particular is very self-serving and and stuff, but I mean, I think that's okay. I mean, if that's what it is, then that's what it is and it it works in the context of the of the movie. So why I mean, not? And know? there's also like self-serving. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think it, there is something to be self-serving about. Like, he created a bunch of things that somehow all work together so well that you can create a entire fucking universe about it. They work really well. They're like, and I know of course he's obviously inspired by comic book universes and things like that, but he's giving Marvel a run for his money with his universe building, I think. Yep. Yep. And it gets really uh, even more complicated when you start looking at some little things like, uh, are, is the, the quote unquote true North trilogy, which there are only two movies for so far, like Tusk and yoga hosers. Like there's references to the view is universe in those and, and those in the view is universe or whatever. Like, do those take place in the same continuity? Like, is there like a walrus man in, you know, the, the view is universe somewhere. I think they mentioned it somewhere in the movie. They mentioned that he made the movie. So, but I, but I think it actually did also really happen in real life in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, if, if the if the third one we've talked about this before on on uh, p- past episodes, but if the third one in the trilogy Moose Jaws ever gets made, Jay and Silent Bob are supposed to be in it, and they're supposed to get killed by the moose. That's that's how the movie starts, or something like that. Holy shit! So maybe maybe one day, you know. He also says that uh, Justin Long's character in this movie is the same character that he played in Zack and Miri, but they couldn't name him because they don't have the rights to that character. Okay. That's a very also related to the story here. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh- one other thing, which I, I, I really liked uh, regarding that chasing Amy scene is that it really is sort of like the mirror or flip side for that scene with Jay and Silent Bob in Chasing Amy, right? Like mm. in Chasing Amy, Jay and Silent Bob show up for one scene, give Holden the advice that he needs or whatever to to move on and and you know end his his story. And then in this movie, Holden comes in, you know, and and gives Jay and Silent Bob the advice that they need for them to to close out their story. I don't know. There's just something about that. The symmetry. It's it's, it's like, so sweet. I mean, yeah. I know, like, I know we're talking about Jane Silent Bob here, <laughs> but that made my heart so warm, especially because it turns out that they name their daughter, Amy. Yeah. So it was just very full circle, very much. I don't know. Heartwarming. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out well. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, since clerks three, is kind of like the next chapter in this in this saga or whatever and and since there is so much continuity in these in these movies like i wonder if they're going to have uh jay's daughter in in that Books three you know Ooh. so i've put off watching it because um i follow some people on Twitter who are very big Kevin Smith fans and they love everything he puts out and they didn't have very good things to say about clerks three. <laughs> so okay. I'm worried, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And I do hope to see his daughter in that because that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We shall see. I don't know. I, I hear there's a lot of moments of like, Oh wow. Look, look, there's that person or whatever, you know, of course, of course there's going to be that, but you know, whatever. I wonder if, I mean, would it, do you think it'd be like the same actress and it would be like in real time or do you think it's in the future and they cast like an older person as her? Oh, like, okay. I see now this is where the, the, the so too many daughter, too many <laughs> so daughters. Are, 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 okay. So, so you're talking about like the character of Amy, like Holden and Alyssa's kid. Yes. Okay. I was talking about. <laughs> oh, you were talking about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you were talking about Jason's fake daughter. Yes. Kevin Smith's so real Jason... daughter. Jason's okay. fake daughter. Yes. 
too okay, confusing. perfect. Okay. <laughs> I am sure she's in this. I'm 100% guessing. Yes. My bets are yes. Yeah. I'm sure you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess we'll find out soon enough. But yeah. Um, the other thing, which I just, just a little, whatever, the reboot of Blunt Man and Chronic, of course, making it Blunt Man v. Chronic, clearly a reference to, you know, the, the Snyder verse and all that stuff. I, I, I really love the fact that they cast, you know, Val Kilmer and Melissa Benoist, I think that's how you pronounce her name, in, in those two roles you know like the hilarious the guy who used to be batman and and you know the woman who used to be supergirl i mean i think she still was at that point in time you know it's just i don't know it's perfect perfect casting it was, in a lot of ways very very funny to see that yeah. <laughs> like I, super intentional super funny all right any uh final thoughts on jay and silent bob reboot I can't wait to watch this again. <laughs> I really can't. I would. I, I'll be totally honest. At first, I was like, I know this is going to be ridiculous. This is not what I want on Sunday morning. But it turned out to be a very pleasant surprise. I had a phenomenal time with it, and I'm really excited to watch it again. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I, I, I liked it a lot too. I, I have to say, like, I think part of it was. Um, you know, just sort of like the hype of seeing it for the first time. And then, you know, seeing it again with strike back and then seeing it again with him. And apparently he, he has said that like the audience in Chicago that, that I saw it with was like the best audience ever for that movie. Like they laughed at all the jokes and everything. And it's like feeding off that energy. I think I was just really, really amped for this movie when it first came out and watching it again now by myself at home, I was like, okay, fine. It's got, it's got a few (laughs) little rough edges, you know, but I still think it is a very good movie. You know, I, 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 it's, it's not at the same level as, you know, his early stuff like clerks or chasing Amy or whatever, but it's still very enjoyable. And, and, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like people who hated this went into this expecting some like a great achievement in film, which <laughs> you know. Either that or they went into it, you know, kind of like what we were talking about last time where, you know, people have turned on him, right? Like they they're just they just have it out for him. And it's very weird. They they they're just not gonna like anything that he does. I I don't know why, but whatever. <laughs> welcome yeah all right so uh ali where can people find you on the internet people can find me on twitter at sick underscore underscore six six i also have a little podcast on talk film society as well called sequels um we don't record as often but everything that's there is fun by the way did you watch um bring it on after no, I still episode. need to do that. I, I, I need to, I, I think I got so caught up in Kevin Smith, but I mean, that new one's got to be coming out like really soon, right? I mean, it's almost <laughs> yeah. October, so. Exactly. I say you watch it. If we ever talk again, I'm going to ask you again. Okay, so. fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. I'm going to have to binge them all. I mean, I have seen the first one literally like 50 times, no no lie, you know, so it, it just makes sense that I watch the others. I don't know why I haven't, <laughs> but um yeah, I'll make that a priority. Yeah. Awesome. And then that's pretty much it. I haven't uh, done too much, but I had to come back to do this podcast because I had such a great time the first time. So thank you for having me back. No, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, if he ever makes any more movies, uh, we'll have to have you back again to talk about those too. So <laughs> Will do. All right. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit and switch over to to talking about Kevin Smith's second cartoon television show, Masters of the Universe Revelations. And we are back. And now I am joined by Thomas from Double Edge Double Bill. How's it going, Thomas? I'm doing good. Glad to be back on the show. I'm glad to have you back. Thanks for stepping in and, and talking about Kevin Smith's second television show as a showrunner masters of the universe revelation i it's very confusing because it's the, the, the 
he's doing a second season called like Revolution, right? Right. And it's like I had to like literally look it up to see what is what and and all that all the rest of it. But yes, Masters of the Universe Revelation. Not helped um, at all by there's also a second recent He Man show on Netflix that's just called like yes. the He Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> The the I mean you think like the 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 DCEU is confusing man they have nothing on the He Man extended universe <laughs> but yeah okay so this is a animated series for Netflix which he created and wrote and produced uh, and aside from the Clerks cartoon this is the first time that he's ever done anything like that. But I guess before we get into the series itself, how what what is your I guess relationship with He Man? I know you're a lot younger than me, so what what where was He Man at in the cultural landscape when when you were growing up or whatever? Yeah, uh, He Man was not really. I was came after the time of He-Man's heyday. Um, So most of my cultural osmosis for He-Man was the 2002 reboot, which I'd seen a Mm -hmm. bit of as a kid, and I liked. Um, The very terrible movie uh, starring Dolph Lundgren from the 80s. Um, And the meme, the uh, I say hey for non-blondes meme (laughs) for (laughs) that older stuff. But I was never, like, really into any of those to a major degree. He-Man was always just sort of a thing, like, I was aware from, like, slightly older folks who had like grown up with it but it was kind of thing that passed me by culturally yeah yeah i mean for me i i was i think four years old when the original series started and it was my number two series when it came to uh cartoons as a kid number one being transformers he-Man, I mean, I, I was so invested in this series when I was four years old. It's not even funny. Like, to the point of, like, you know, for Halloween, when I was in pre-kindergarten, I didn't want to dress up as He-Man because that's too on the nose. I wanted to dress up as Prince Adam, you know, like, things like that. So I was, like, way, way, way into He-Man as a kid. And... um it's one of those things where, like, you know how sometimes when you're an adult, you go back and you watch those shows that you watched when, when you were a kid, and sometimes it's, like, the most amazing thing you've ever seen still. It's like, God, I remember why I love this show. And then other times you watch it and you're like, I was a stupid, stupid kid, you know? <laughs> Like Transformers, I, I, I still love that show. You know, Batman the Animated Series, I still love that show. But like He-Man, I think I revisited when that 2002 series came out because I liked that, that show quite a bit. And when I saw it at that point, I was just like, God, this is cr- so cringeworthy. You know, like I can't believe that I was such a huge fan of, of He-Man. Um, but when, when this was announced that he was doing this, I went back and I watched it again. Um, and and tried to, to knock out like a bunch of, of episodes, especially the ones which were considered to be the best. Um, and I, I enjoyed it a lot more this time around, I have to say. Um, got some She-Ra in there and everything. Have you seen any of the original series at all, or or is it something where it's just never never been a thing for you? I mean, I've seen some bits and pieces. I think particularly um, I've seen the... <clears throat> I've seen the Christmas special, which I do oh, kind yeah. of love. The um, with Skeletor having to lug around two kids, and in that fucking Alan Hap- Oppenheimer voice is like, "I have to protect the children," and all that. It's there's a, there's a charm to that old He-Man stuff, especially given it's like filmation, limited animation, to where like I like a lot of the concepts of He-Man, but it was always just kind of um, you know had the albatross of that budget. To show that's just like, oh, we can't really fully yeah. embrace this, which the 2002 series was able to do. And I would argue this show was able to do quite well with uh, getting the uh, the animation studio who I know they're the guys that did uh, Powerhouse, the guys who did like the recent Castlevania show, which is fucking great. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. But yeah, no, I, I do think the animation in this is really good. Um, 
so it, it came as kind of a surprise, I think. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love things like this. I love that that stuff like this happens. But, like, the idea that there was a He-Man convention, which I imagine was probably not the biggest convention in the world. I mean, I've been to some Transformers conventions, and let me tell you, it's like, you know four guys in a room sort of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm assuming that the He-Man convention was a similar sort of scenario. And they were like, oh, there's going to be a panel like hosted by Kevin Smith. And it's like, that's weird. I guess, you know, whatever. You pay some celebrity to do something or whatever. And maybe a few more people walk in the door and that's it. And he did this whole panel. And then at the end of the panel, he revealed that he was doing this new series for Netflix, Masters of the Universe revelation and that it would be a direct sequel to the original series and that it would be sort of an update for i guess people who are who grew up with the original series and maybe you know like me like look at that that original series and it's kind of like uh okay this is definitely geared towards kids you know this is geared towards four-year-olds which is why i really loved it when i was four years old but now you know being 42 or whatever it's uh not 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 quite as as uh, engaging and the idea of like you know something that they kept on saying like you know show me the, the fact that you know the, these characters are not safe like any of them could die at any moment or whatever and establishing like a, a, continu- a continuity you know all of these things which are standard things in entertainment today but were not for you know kids cartoons in the 80s and i don't know i like i got really excited about that um but i also got like really kind of you know anxious because i'm like i'm not up on my he-man like i should be you know <laughs> but you know whatever i'm not up on my up lore my extensive lore of he-man <laughs> yeah it's like should i watch all of the episodes i don't know what if they reference this thing um but yeah i i i don't know um as as someone who did not grow up with the show at all uh what did you think when you heard that they were they were making this new one, or did you not care at all? <laughs> well, it was interesting because I heard like you mentioned the Kevin Smith connection of it all, and he said many times like he did not grow up with this obviously because he was a bit older because like he would have been like a teenager at the yeah. time He Man was like a really big thing, so he wasn't necessarily into it. But I think it's because you mentioned he created. But to be fair, the credited creators are it's a guy na- guys named uh, Adam Conroe and Patrick Stannard who were apparently more like He-Man people who hired Smith as like a showrunner producer kind of thing and I think that's what's interesting is like kind of having a mix of people who are precious about the material and those who aren't to kind of like mix things up which I think is the better step to take when you're doing a reboot necessarily because if you have like just people who don't give a sh- who didn't give a shit about the original version and or just people who are too precious about it I think it's where you get like these lesser reboot versions versus having like a room that has a mixture of people who are like not as invested versus those who are really invested could kind of work and that's why I was like kind of curious about this and nothing else because this was shortly after he had also been announced to be part of that Howard the Duck animated show that was going to be on Hulu that like fell apart and stuff like that. So I was curious something else to see him, I guess, do something very different. And I'll say, when that first trailer dropped, I was actually very interested. Uh, that was said to, like, I'm holding out for a hero. And I was like, actually, this looks kind of mm-hmm. fucking dope. Not gonna lie. I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of on board. And also, I was kind of interested yeah. because this cast is fucking insane. Like, when you yeah. when they announced that voice cast, it was like, Mark Hamill, Liam Cunningham, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Lena Headey, even um, uh, one of the reasons I jumped on was because of uh, Griffin Newman plays Orko, and I'm a fan of the Blank mm-hmm. Check show, and he really campaigned for that particular part. But yeah, just it, all that stuff made me at least curious to see what this was going to be. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see why... why uh that that would be the case and and it is interesting i mean i guess like you were saying for him too the fact that he wasn't like emotionally invested in this series but you know was a big fan of things like marvel and stuff like that and saw this as a way to do that sort of thing right 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's talked about like mimicking the tone of of a Marvel movie for for the series and stuff like that, and I think that that is really interesting. I mean, it's so. I'm not going to say outside of his comfort zone, but outside of what you would think that he would be associated with, which is weird to say because he is the biggest nerd on the planet. And you'd think if there were any 14-year-old back in 1984 who watched He-Man, it would probably be him. But, you know, just the idea that, like, um, Kevin Smith would be a fan or would be, you know, interested in a He-Man show, I totally get it. And yet it's something which he seems to always shy away from, excluding, like, his comic books and stuff like that. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect when I started watching the show. Like, is it going to have his, you know, his Jay and Silent Bob voice or is it going to be something different? And I, I guess, uh, my question to you is like, what did you think about that? What did you think about the writing in particular when you finally did watch the show? Well, I mean, you kind of mentioned the thing earlier about, like, being surprised about, like, oh, what he's, like, able to, like, pull off in terms of, like, the stakes of it to, like, really put you off guard. And, I mean, the sort of infamous thing about this show is the fact that um, it's called Masters of the Universe Revelation mainly because uh, they kill He-Man in that first episode, and that's what put certain fans up in fucking arms for like oh my god you're killing my childhood i can't believe you're doing this to me but i like the fact that you know they sort of focus on because like with he-man in terms of the all the other characters like he-man himself was kind of central and like i get it like he's kind of fun where he's like a barbarian dude with a loincloth or whatever but i was always more fascinated by a lot of these like side people like especially sort of the side villains that we would have like you know stinkor moss man these like weird just fucking like let's put a big buff body mold on with like you know some other weird affect to it and i like the fact that this show kind of focuses on some of these side characters in a way that makes you kind of interested where it's like oh what happens in a world without sort of a central he-man and how like the sort of idea of like magic disappearing and stuff like that i found it really fascinating just like as a fun sort of action fantasy story where i got pretty invested in all these characters even without our precious he-man at the center um fucking calm down if you were that concerned about <laughs> fucking he, spoilers, he comes back. He's not completely yeah. gone from the show. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, it's not kind of, we- I mean, it's terrible, but also expected, I guess, uh, to some degree that, uh, when, you know, the movie or when the show came out, like if you look at rotten tomatoes, um, it's, I believe his highest rated work to date at 92%, you know, critics ratings, which is pretty good. Um, but the average audience score brings it down to, um, 38% there for viewers. Now I I have a feeling that the vast majority of the people who were rating it probably didn't watch it, you know, because are you saying that there's some kind of collaborative effort on a Rotten Tomatoes audience score? Mike, I can't believe that that's never happened before ever. I know. I know. I, I know, I know, it's unprecedented, you know, uh, but <laughs> I think that maybe something fishy was going on, you know, and uh, that being that, you know, a bunch of uh, dudes who are really into He-Man <laughs> were upset that the show was about a woman, and I just, I mean, I think I said this back then, I, 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 I it's certainly something which always runs through my mind whenever I think about it, but, like, the idea that a bunch of guys who are really, really, really big fans of a show called He-Man are upset that the show is about a woman is pretty much the funniest thing I can possibly think of. <laughs> I literally had to, like, I looked up, like, some interviews and stuff with Kevin Smith about this as prep for the show. I had to go through, like, pages of just, like, <laughs> Kevin Smith ruined his He-Man reboot, destroyed by audience mm-hmm. scores or whatever. Like, throw the fuck up, guys. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty funny, like listening to his podcast while it was all going on, because he's like, uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. I really, really, really did not think that this would be like the most controversial thing I did in my career, but uh, apparently it is. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know, you know, I, you know, but then, yeah, in the second half, they bring him back. Spoilers. Um, so, what, what did what did you what did you think about that? What, what did you think about He Man without He Man? You know, and and that uh, and that kind of world. I mean, I know you said that you're more into those secondary characters anyway. So, was this sort of like right up your alley, or or did you still not really care about He Man? I mean, no, I was much more invested than I've been in other He-Man things, just because I really like sort of stories about a fantasy realm where, like, the magic's been, like, depleted away. I I like that element of it, especially with, like, the Orko character, who, weirdly, I got very emotionally invested in. Like, before in any of these other things, I've seen Orko, and he's just, like, the guy with, like, the eyeballs, and he has the wizard's head. He's like, I don't know, He-Man, what I'm gonna do. Um, And they give him, like, a really interesting sort of tragic arc about how he's, like, dying because magic's gone. And shit like that, and how all these other people are really dealing with the ramifications of, like, Castle Grayskull really just completely being depleted and all that. I was really sort of invested in that kind of thing. And at the same time, they fit in enough room for, like, fun stuff. Like, when He-Man shows up um, in the second half, uh, when they do the thing where he calls the magic without the sword, and he becomes, like, a Hulk dude, I thought it was, that's pretty fucking dope. Him finding yeah. his, like, beefed-up Skeletor, that's really fucking great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, you know, I I agree. I I think that that really is where the the series shines. And in those first few that that first half, uh, like I, I watched the whole thing like all in one kind of sitting, you know, just as as almost as like a movie. And I was you know kind of riveted by it. The second half, I think it it, it lost some steam because it became a bit more formulaic and everything. But uh, I, I, I do like this little, you know, sort of detour that they took, you know, and, and even the structure, you know, like the first episode being this sort of like throwback in a lot of ways to the original series, like, oh, and then they're fighting again. Oh, well, we've seen this a billion times before and, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like he gets killed and you're just like, oh, damn. OK, so this is what we're doing. All right. You know, let's go for it. I don't know. It, it it was it was cool. It totally worked for me. Um, I'm curious to see now what they do with it going forward because um, that choice was so bold that I almost feel like anything else that you do from here on out is going to kind of feel weaker. You know. I don't know. Yeah, especially when especially when the second half does feel kind of like it's almost like a finale to He-Man, really, in a lot of weird mm-hmm. ways. It feels like this is like the last thing with like especially like Skeletor reluctantly joining up with He-Man and stuff like that. It almost feels like oh, this is like it feels like the end kind of point of this in a weird way. But yeah, they're continuing. I mean, if nothing else, I just hope they kind of keep that mix of like respecting sort of like this version of the characters while at the same time having fun. Like anytime Mark Hamill gets to put on his fucking Skeletor voice and just kind of be hammy about it. Particularly anytime he says He-Man in that particular way, it's so fucking fun. Like, the, the, I think the show knows, like, it doesn't treat itself too seriously with a lot of that stuff, but at the same time, it never goes into full-on, like, say, like, Kevin Smith, like, deconstruction point of it. Yeah. There were, like, hints of that, particularly, like, um, it was, like, Fisto saying, like, I'd like to fist him. He's like, yep, yes. there, there, that's a Kevin Smith pitch line, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they said he said that when when he was in the recording booth with I think Ralph Garman was did did that voice. He's mm-hmm. like just say this now, you know. And Garman was like, "Why do you want me to say that? There's no way in hell that's ever going to end up in the show." <laughs> and he's like, "Just say it." And there it was. And now, you know, that's sort of like become a meme, you know, Garman is like, "That's what's going to be on my tombstone, you know, because that's what people <laughs> know me for." now so thanks um yeah i you know it's it's exciting to see him excel at something which is not you know i mean all these these reviews are coming in right now for clerks three and they're all talking about how it's just one big inside joke and he's made this movie before and you know it's all self-referential and everything like that and for his like most acclaimed thing to be something which is so vastly different from all that other stuff 
I think is pretty cool, you know? Well, I think a lot of that, though, still does come from the fact that he's working with a big team of writers and everything. I think that's, that's the thing. It's like, honestly, watching the show and realizing, like, oh, like Mark Bernardin, who, of course, is his Fat Man Batman co-host, was, like, one of the writers and other people like that. I think that's the thing that Smith might you know, do better to, like, veer into more. It's just being, like, a guy who, like, has these grand ideas of, like, you know, he tends to, you know, produce in this podcast, like, Smoke Weed, be like, wouldn't it be fucked up if this happened? Or whatever, and you have somebody who's like, that's great, Kevin, but how about we, like, flesh it out a bit and do some, like, basically have people to bounce off of. I think that's probably where I would hope his career would go. If, if it's not with He-Man, then with other things. Like, it makes me regretful. Like, I would have liked to have seen his Howard the Duck show. If he was able to like, oh, yeah. kind of have that kind of like ability to like bounce off other writers and stuff like that, I think having more collaborative efforts would probably work with him a bit more in like the writing stage. Yeah, I could see that. I could see how he could really excel at that, you know. And and it's not that. I mean, he brings in, you know, people who he knows, people who he works with. I mean, Mark Bernard and obviously Eric Carrasco, who was a Supergirl writer. You know, who mm-hmm. he, he directed some stuff. Tim Sheridan, who did a lot of the um, DC animated movies and stuff like that. And uh, Dia Mishra, who is uh, writing on the upcoming Magic the Gathering uh, animated series. So, you know, I mean, that's that's cool that he's he's working with a team and I think he'd be the first to admit that he's better with a team. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, I wonder, I mean, there's been so many projects recently that he's, I mean, he's always talking about things, but like projects like this that he talks about that never made it off the ground, whether it's Howard the duck or the, um, Buckaroo Banzai show or whatever. I, I hope, that he gets to do this more often. I mean, I don't want him to stop making movies because I love his movies, but I just want to see him do this too, you know? Seems like a good side hustle for him, you know? Especially with animation, I think, because that's the thing, whenever he does this, like, pie-in-the-sky sort of, like, ideas that he has, like, what was it, the one podcast where he's talking about, like, basically Satan turning into a kaiju or whatever? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. that, that whole movie he fucking pitched and stuff like that. Like, I wouldn't mind if he was able to, like, have, like, this grandiose, like, sort of vision with, like, other writers and, like, be able to display that with animation. Maybe a bit more elaborate than, say, like, the Jay and Silent Bob groovy cartoon movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. a bit better animation. But I think, yeah, yeah I think it would, I would like to see him especially run more, like, interesting sort of animated reboot kind of things like this. It would be cool. It'd be cool. Well, I mean, he's working on the new series now. Uh, you know, I know that they're doing some recording. They've talked about like William Shatner joining the cast and stuff yes. like that, which is cool. I know that's a bit fan servicey, but whatever. It's William Shatner. You know, I mean, he's he's the best, even though he's you know whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm definitely gonna watch season two. Are you gonna watch season two? Yeah, honestly, because I didn't watch, uh, I watched part one when it originally came out like a year ago, and I hadn't watched part two until, you know, I volunteered for this. But watching yeah. part two, even though I do agree, like, it, some of, like, there's a lot of especially speechifying in part two that I'm like, I hope we back off on this a bit. A lot of people, like, talking about their motivations they already kind of established previously mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. But still, at the same time, I would be curious to see, like, okay, this was an interesting, bold kind of move. I hope you continue to do that with a new He-Man thing and don't just kind of cave to the pressure of like, oh, uh, guess what? Uh, He-Man's in every episode and he's the one true character and everyone's like, man, He-Man's great in every scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where they go with it. We'll mm-hmm. see. All right. Well, any final thoughts on Masters of the Universe Revelation? Um, I mean, just as someone, like I said, who was not that interested in He-Man growing up, who was like kind of outside of its cultural wheelhouse, um, I was pleasantly surprised by this show and just how it was able to like do so much interesting stuff with like a property that can be really dismissed as like, oh, this was just a thing in the 80s to kind of sell toys, really. There's not yeah. much you can really do with that. It's like, no, I like the idea, once again, of somebody who's not too precious about the material, understanding like, okay, there's a fun idea to this universe, to these characters, we can make something out of this. And I thought Smith and his other writers did a pretty good job. And as I mentioned again, phenomenal voice cast throughout this whole thing. Like, such a great, uh, bizarre cast. Even down to, I had no idea Jason Mewes was Stinkor, but he did a pretty good job of Stinkor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I know. I agree that this is this is a, a really good show. Um, as someone who did grow up with He Man, it did really kind of um, remind me why I liked that show so much as a kid. And it was cool to see them do that story like for real as an adult. And yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch uh, the second season whenever it it may air or whatever. Um, I'm glad that that they're getting to do more. And while I don't know what they could do from here, I trust that he'll come up with something cool, for sure. But also, it ruined your childhood, and you were very upset by it. And you led Uh, all those campaigns for the Red I couldn't (laughs) believe. How could they kill He-Man? You know, I'm sorry, but anyone who's, you know, my age and survived the death of Optimus Prime, you can can deal with He-Man dying, you know? Of being saying. dead for like two hours of show <laughs> and then coming back. Yep. Yep. But whatever. I guess, you know. <sighs> Misogynists are the worst. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, Thomas, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, um, I am at Not the Who's Tommy on Twitter, and I also do my podcast, Double Edge Devil Bill, which is also on Talk Film Society. Um, I'm at DEDB Pod for all those socials for the podcast. Um, around this time, we probably would have had stuff like um, our Viola Davis episode come out, where we cover um, Widows and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And mm-hmm. then also our NC 17 episode, where we cover Killer Joe and Showgirls. Mm, nice, nice. Uh, just for what it's worth, as someone who's lived in Chicago for my entire life, I have to say that Widows is the most accurate portrayal of Chicago I've ever seen on film. So. It's a great fucking movie take that as you will yes it is uh you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at mumbles 3k and you can also find me on my website filmdamagepod.com doing a show called film damage where we talk about star trek time travel and film projection and we will be back in the not too distant future with one final episode of this series to discuss the the, the 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 thing we've all been waiting for clerks three but until then if you plan to podcast let us know mm-hmm.